Welcome to the On The Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Hoagland, and today, I think the title says it all. I hope everybody's having a great end of 2019 coming into 2020, and well, right off the bat, I want to tell you some things that are going on. First off, I promised you John Watkins, who is a great prospector, as the guest this week, and that's just not going to happen. We tried uh, recording with John, and unfortunately, John is out in the field. And the best that he could do was use his cell phone as a hotspot going into his computer to be able to use Skype. Then he tried just using Skype on his on his phone. And the weather was so freaking bad where he was at, it just we just couldn't make it happen. He'd start to answer a question, and it would just go blank and dead, and then it would come back, and he had no idea that he'd gone away. And when we were talking to him, we had no idea that we were going away. So I invited John to come down to the studio, just sit face-to-face with me, and we'll just do the interview that way. And that's going to make it a hell of a lot easier in the long run. It's going to be a great interview because John is so dedicated to prospecting and helping other people. And we'll get there. We will get there. But with all of that, it also made me realize that we are stymied by the simple fact that our internet connection sucks. So I've um, I made the decision. I am moving the On The Gold podcast studio. It's going to be the only way that we can continue to do things and bring good quality, good quality sound and everything else and, and not sound like you're talking to some people in a, in a barrel. And again, I, I've got to go back. I, You know, we're a recorded podcast. And by moving the studio, I'm going to have access to an incredibly good solid high-speed internet connection it's going to take care of a lot of the crap that we've been fighting in the past and more importantly we'll be able to do some really good live call-in questions now i have no intentions of going live on a weekly basis it's not i I, I don't even foresee that my schedule just doesn't allow it It, it's just not going to happen that way doesn't mean that we won't occasionally go live but at least this way especially with the questions that have been coming in we have to find a way to better be able to serve you to help you become a better prospector. That's it. That's all that this podcast is about. Moving the studio. So we'll do everything we can to keep the podcast coming on a weekly basis. We may have some challenges in January of 2020, but believe me, by February, we will be back up and running with better capacity, better ability to help people become better prospectors. That's it. That's number one. Number two is last week during the podcast, episode 17, announced the the new email addresses. My address is kh at prospectingedu.com or .org. You can send it to either one. And Kevin Bell, my co-host, which, by the way, I recorded a podcast yesterday, and because of my internet, it is so crappy I had to throw that one completely out. Okay, back to the email addresses. kh at prospectingedu.com or .org and kb, Kevin Bell, kb at prospectingedu.com .org. Now, we threw those email addresses out last week telling everybody they probably wouldn't be good till after the first of the year, but we also tossed out kbell at totalexchange.com and khoglin at goldprospectors.org and had a lot of questions that have come in. Matter of fact, I've had so many questions come in that Kevin is sitting down and putting them, grouping them. So if there's five or six people that ask something that was very, very similar, 
we'll be able to just group those together. But we had so many of them that I don't know. I, I just couldn't see a way to do it fairly. So what I've done is I've put a random number generator onto my computer. And then to be able to answer the questions fairly, I'm just going to hit the generator. It'll pop up something and pop up a number and we'll just go from there. But I did have a email that came in from a gentleman by the name of Dan. And Dan's opening statement is, this gold bug two that I bought is a piece of <laughs> Okay. So right out of the bat, I mean, that's how, that's how his email started out. So it, <laughs> where do you go from there? Then Dan went on to tell me a little bit more about what he, what, how he had come to that conclusion. He bought this machine as his very first metal detector. He's never owned a metal detector before. He lives in the eastern states. He comes to Arizona every winter time to go prospecting. And he's finally decided to get into metal detecting. Not going to go through the whole go, go through the the entire email. It was it was pretty lengthy. But I I will tell you then and Dan when you listen to this, I'm going to tell you the problem is 99% sure that it's not the detector i got a funny feeling it's you buddy and we'll cover that we'll talk about that so let's just jump jump right into that so dan explained to me that this was the very first detector that he had ever bought and when he tried the detector back where he lives back east it worked really good things were fine he came out to arizona and it's not working now is there a chance of a mechanical issue? Absolutely. A mechanical failure, an electronic failure, whatever you want to call it. Yes, there is a possibility of that, but probably not. So here's how you check this out, Dan. Real simple. Find somebody else that has another Fisher Goldbug 2. Go to a dealer, do something, and plug your coil into a different machine. If it's stable, it's not your coil. Plug your control box into their coil, and if it becomes unstable then it is a control box issue. Check out those two things. It's very, very simple to do. Swap coils, and that's it, and that will tell you what's going on. But in everything else that you described to me, it's a matter of understanding how that machine works and what you've done by going from one extreme mineralization to the next. And you didn't talk about your settings a whole lot, but you really made it sound like you had put the machine in the box came out came out west opened the box up turned it on and the machine is going crazy now i've covered this in some of the other podcasts but i i believe that this one really needs to be covered here and now again in a way that will help you understand that you cannot take the fisher gold bug 2 the highest frequency gold detector on the marketplace right now and have any expectation that you're not going to have to make an incredible amount of adjustments to the machine just to make it work because of area going to different areas. The beauty of the Goldbug 2, and one of the reasons that I have adopted that machine since the very first day that it came out, all the way back to the original Goldbug and the Goldbug 2, is that it is a totally manual detector. I love that ability to be able to make super tuning to the machine and doing little tweaks and things like that. But it is a, it's not complicated, but it is a machine that you will have to stay on top of. You've constantly have to make changes to that detector or after a while, you're just not detecting with it. 
And with, with the noise that you described and a few other things, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to say that your sensitivity setting is bad and that you have got the machine set at a, at a, at a sensitivity rate that simply will not work in the extremely high iron mineralization areas that you're trying to work this machine in. So here's what I want you to do. After you've checked out, you know what? Do this before you go check out the machine. Before you go out and you find somebody that's got another gold bug too and you swap coils and you do the testing with the coils and the control boxes. This may solve your problem right here, right now. Take your detector. Go out into the field and I want you to get a rock or I want you to get a little piece of wood or something. And, and again, I've talked about this. I've done a couple of videos on it. Toss that piece of wood on the ground and just let it sit there. It has no purpose other than to be a flat, stable position to where you're not moving the coil around because all you're going to do is set the coil down on top of it. It doesn't have to be four inches off the ground. Matter of fact, I only want you an inch, inch and a half off the ground, just barely off the ground, but it needs to be stable. Turn your machine on and try to ground balance it. The way you've got it set up right now, turn it on, try to ground balance it, pump the machine up and down, Make your adjustments, and if you still cannot stabilize that detector, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn your sensitivity all the way down. Not all the way, you know, not to one. Just set it, get it back to two or three, somewhere in that neighborhood, and re-ground balance that detector. If that machine ground balances fairly quickly and fairly easily, then it is all about your sensitivity is running way too high. And this is where we get back into that old conversation about trans, uh, transmit and receive. Transmit is not something you can adjust. Transmit will not increase. By turning up your sensitivity, you are not going to put more power into the ground. You're simply not going to do it because your sensitivity is RX. It's receive sensitivity. All detectors are like this. It's not just a gold bug two. It's it, it's any detector that's out there. It's not TX. It's not transmit. It's RX. It's receive. And you have to remember that the largest target you're ever going to hit with a metal detector is going to be the earth itself. And you've got a tiny little piece of gold in there or a big piece of gold. doesn't matter. But you're trying to work through the earth. And the earth is a really, really big target. So, Turn your sensitivity down, reground balance that machine, and if it balances out, here's what I want you to do. Balance it, reset your threshold, get everything just like you're going to go hunting. Put that coil on that piece of wood, and then listening to your threshold, slowly start to turn that sensitivity up until it becomes erratic. The second it becomes erratic, stop and back down. Because now what you've done is you have matched your RX sensitivity to the ground that you're working and not some arbitrary number that was made by, you know, that came up with in a lab. I've worked with companies where, you know, we take a lot of the information that came in from a lot of the field testers, and that's how that, that factory preset came about. It was an average. An average doesn't work in everywhere. It'll get you started but it's not unleashing the power of your detector. So, Daniel, do that. Slowly turn your sensitivity up until the machine becomes erratic. Stop at that point, pull it back, reground balance it, and go hunt. Now, I'll give you a couple of tips on the Goldbug 2. Because it is a totally manual detector, 
once you ground balance in a particular spot, just to get an idea of what you're going to be dealing with, don't touch anything and swing the coil both directions and then come right back to that spot that you ground balanced in and pump the machine up and down and see how far out of ground balance you are. I can assure you're going to be slightly out of ground balance. Not that big of a deal. It's one of the, that's one of the things I truly enjoy about that machine is being able to make those on-the-fly, ultra-fine changes within my ground balance to keep that machine constantly looking through the ground and seeing targets. At the end of your swing, pump the machine up and down a couple of times while you're out hunting. I, it, to me, it's just second nature. I go out with that machine, and I swing it, I pump it, I tune it, I swing it, I pump it, I tune it, and I'll tell you what, man, I don't miss little pieces of gold. It's a great machine. You have a phenomenally good machine. It just takes a little bit more time to make it yours. Okay, the next question comes in from Richard. And Richard, really great question. And Richard's question is simply, I have a large recirculating high banker, and it's a tub type, all right? Uh, what mat do I use? What do I use? Hmm. That's a great question. Most of them were designed from the manufacturer to have what they considered the very best recovery media in it to help you recover the maximum amount of gold that you can get. And if you believe that, you're probably crazy. Now, you know, granted, they do design it that way. But one of the first things that happens is everybody that I know that does really good with sluice boxes and recirculators and different recirculating systems like that. One of the first things they do is they, they buy more recovery media. And this becomes really important because depending upon the material that you're working, you will sometimes just flat need to change. So when I, whenever I build a recirculator, um, I, not even just a recirculator. I'll even say like my uh, my Gold Fox Trommel. I don't just use the particular carpet that's in it in the sluice box. I'll change it out for different mattings. And and when I say carpet, I did not buy the whole kit. I just bought the header kit. So I and I've got it on a Prospector's Choice Luvial sluice box, and that gives me a lot of leeway because I can change that media, that recovery media for whatever I need it to be. If I'm working in heavy clays, I'm going to have different types of, of, of dropouts. Uh, if I'm working heavy clay, I'll use a combination of gold hog mats and then some uh, some deep V mats and then some other things all the way down. And if I'm working in some other material like uh, really sandy or really heavy, heavy black sands, I'll change that around to where I'm getting the recovery without packing my sluice box full of full of black sand but I'll still get the recovery, but I'll be able to wash those sands off. And, and my regular river sluice box, my folding sluice box, I have five or six completely different sets of carpets and matting systems to go along with it. And each one's in its own little bag, and I get out there, and if I'm looking at the material, I'm seeing what that material's like after I run some of it or while I'm panning it and doing my testing. If I've got a really heavy clay base, then I'm going to put on my, my matting that is designed that, that I've put together for heavy, you know, heavy clay materials. Uh, something that's going to keep that material in the box a little bit longer to get it broke down. 
And you know, sometimes I'll just let, uh, if I have a lot of heavy clay, I've got a different way of running it through a sluice box by having basically a header that water goes into and breaks it down. And then that header drops that material into the sluice box. And that way, and I can reach up in there and I can move that material around without putting my hands into the sluice box and diverting and diverting the water or causing any flushes or anything else like that. So there's all sorts of little things that you can do. Is there a single answer that says there is one material that's going to work the very, very best for everything? Absolutely not. You have to experiment. You have to look at the material that you're going to be working in the different areas and be willing to make a little bit of an investment on what you're going to do to maximize your recovery. I do not believe that there is a single piece of end-all, be-all, this is it, this is what's going to make all the difference. I'll tell you, you know, matting companies like, um, like Goldhog, Doc, when you tell him the particular type of material that you're working with, he'll, he'll put together a piece of mat for you with different, you know, with the, with the different types of, or the designs of the, of the recovery. And those work pretty good. I mean, that works really, really good. But if you've tell him, you know, if you've called him up and said, this is what I'm working with, this is, you know, this is this, and he builds that map for you, then you take that same mat and you go somewhere where that, that entire material line that you're running is completely different. It may not be the best matting system for you for that. You have to experiment. You have to experiment with anything that you're going to go out there. And then once you get into an area, if it's somewhere that you're going to continually go back and you've got your right pieces all put together, then that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to use. And if it changes, then know that you have to make changes. You know, if you're going to be really successful in prospecting and some small-scale mining, you have to be prepared to do what it takes to get the highest recovery. And the highest recovery is not always just a matter of, changing the angle of a sluice box or, or, you know, moving this or moving that it has to do with just getting down to the nuts and bolts of what it is. That's going to create the best recovery experiment. It's not that big of an issue. And I hope that that helps you understanding how to build that box. There is no such thing as one size fits all. Okay. Let's see. Do, is there another question? Hold on. Let me hit the random generator. Let me hit the button on the generator. I'm, I'm giving it a tryout tonight. Hang on. Okay, number 11 came up, and let's see what number 11 is on the computer screen. Da, 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 da. Let me get the right file up. Sorry about that. But while it's coming up, I'm going to mention the upcoming GPAA Golden Treasure shows, February, March, April, and May, Albuquerque to Pomona, Sacramento, Vancouver, Butte, Montana, South Dakota, Ohio, a lot of, just go to goldprospectors.org and take a look at it. I look at the uh, Golden Treasure or the Golden Treasure, GPA Golden Treasure Facebook page and take a look at all the Golden Treasure shows that are going on this year. We'll have some great speakers. I'll be at every show. Uh, Kevin Bell will be at some shows and he'll be speaking uh, along with Chris Ralph, Mike Pung, and a few others that you probably are real familiar with. Okay, number 11 is, oh, it's another metal detecting question. And this one comes from, I can't, I don't think that typed in right. Errol, Ern, Ern, Ernie? Oh, that's, you know what, I bet it's Ernie. And this one's from Ernie. 
And Ernie says, I've had some back problems over the years. It, it hurts me to bend down a little bit, do these different things. That's one of the reasons I'm re- really loving metal detecting. But I find out that I'm getting really, really fatigued. Is my, and I don't have a heavy detector. Am I doing something wrong? Yeah, absolutely, Ernie. You are doing a couple things wrong. And there's three things that we can do real fast to fix you. First off, um, there's a product called a swingy thingy. And there might be some other products that are out there, but Doc makes a product called a swingy thingy. And what it is, it's a uh, padded shoulder strap that goes down and hooks onto the back of your pants or your back of your belt like a uh, like a set of sus- uh, suspenders. Hooks in on the front, and it offers you, and it's a bungee system. And I don't know exactly what detector you've got, but this thing is pretty much universal, and it will really make a difference. Uh, I remember years ago when the original swingy thingy came out, there was a young lady that had spoken with Doc that had been in, I think she was in a car accident. I don't remember exactly what it was, but her back was just completely destroyed. And she did not believe that she would ever be able to go prospecting, metal detecting again. And Doc gave her a swingy thing in, and it changed her life. And I'll tell you, even with my 7,000, I will not, I don't like the the, the big mind lab rig that goes with it, the, the uh, pro swing. It's, it's a good system. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I, I'm not saying anything bad about it. It's just not something I like strapping on. And I use the swingy thingy into... My standard belt and my belt is it has belt keepers on it to keep it, you know, all in one spot. And I just use a swingy thingy even on my 7,000, and it takes all the weight off of it. It really does. And then, you know, you may think that something like the, the Mind Lab Gold Monster, it was at 2.9 kilos, something like that, 2.4, something, you know, really, not really lightweight. You would think that you could go out there and swing that thing all day long, but I'll tell you what, even with the little six inch coil, after about three or four hours, that thing starts to feel like a stick or a brick on the end of a stick. So things like the swingy thingy will make a huge difference in um, just being able to get out there and, and really hunt. Another thing that you might want to do is quit swinging with your arm. And this is something I've had to do because I've got a really messed up shoulder. And I don't have a full range of swing in front of me. So one of the things that I do is I just keep my my elbow pretty much tucked into my body, and then I swing at the hips. I just swing at the hips, and and I'll tell you that between that and the swingy thing, that's made a huge difference in in my prospecting. You know, I've been beat up and battered. I I, I sometimes I even wonder how I get out of bed in the morning because I'm just so freaking sore. But, yeah, try those two things. I said there was three things. Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to leave it at the two. Consider getting something like a swingy thingy. Uh, and most importantly, if you don't want to do that, or one of the things you can go out and try immediately is to, like I said, tuck your tuck your elbow in towards your body. Put, put it next to your side and just swing with your hips. Use your hips to make your swing. It may not be as long of a swing, but just go with it and see how it happens and see how it works. I think you're going to find those two things will make all the difference in the world, especially if you're a little bit older guy. You know, as we get older, ooh, we just fall apart. I know. All right, man. I think that'll, I hopefully that'll help you. If you uh, let me know. All right, gang, that's it. Until I talk to you the next time, get out there and have fun. Go out, learn to prospect. 
Become a better prospector. That's what we're dedicated to help you do. For the three questions that we answered today, remember, tuck your arm in when you swing that detector from your hips. Don't be afraid to try with different media for your sluice boxes, whether it's a recirculator or a dredge or a high banker or anything. And learn your detector inside and out. There we go. That's it. Have fun. Talk to you next time. Come